We now continue in Luke chapter 24, and in just a moment, I'll read here in verse 36, but I want us to continue with where the disciples were after the first Easter. After the resurrection, they had heard about it. Some of them had heard from the ladies that told them. Peter had seen the grave clothes and no one there, but the apostles are still hiding out. They're still afraid. Perhaps I would imagine a little excited, yet also filled with doubt as they wonder, what's happening next for us? Where do we go from here? In our text, where we're going to read in just a moment, Jesus appears to them, and then over the course of 40 days, they would have other appearances from him. And at the end of that time, they would see an event that would be huge for them, huge for us, a doctrine that is very important for them and for the church today that has many implications for them and for current Christians that was just mentioned in the Apostles' Creed that Pastor just quoted. And by now it's coming to your mind, I'm sure you know what it is, say it with me. The ascension of Christ. Okay, now you guys weren't with me on that, right? Probably because I didn't set it up all too well, but maybe you're thinking the ascension of Christ, one of the major doctrines of our faith? Yes, it is. And we're going to see that this morning as I too, about eight years ago, was teaching through the Gospel Project with our students. And that's the, that's the curriculum that our children use here in the church. And one of the lessons was the ascension of Christ. And I was blown away by how much significance Christ's ascension has for us today. And so as we listen in this morning to God's word, we'll help to capture these truths of Christ's ascension. The ascension simply means the physical presence of Christ leaving the world. The physical presence of Christ leaving the world. As I mentioned, it's in the Apostles' Creed. But some of you might say, well, isn't that kind of a man-made creed? Is that really a, a big doctrine? Yes, men put it together, but based off of the Bible, the word of God, as you heard. But actually... The ascension is mentioned in one earlier creed than that, that Paul puts in to, first, to Timothy in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. This is what he says. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He, that is Jesus, was manifest in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed in the world, and taken up into Glory. The ascension was crucial to the Apostle Paul, and we're going to see it's mega crucial for the disciples and for us as well. So Luke chapter 24, we're going to read verse 36 through 53. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. As they were talking about these things, that is, the road to Emmaus, Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands, my feet. It is myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands, his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and for marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. 
Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer on the third day, he should rise again, and repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then, verse 50, he led them as far out as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them, was carried up into heaven, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continuing, continually in the temple, blessing God. So Jesus rose from the dead, appearing to many people, even 500 people at once throughout his 40 days. And here he is at the end of his 40 days, taking his apostles with him to the Mount of Olives. And as he is blessing them, he starts to ascend up into heaven slowly. And while he does so, he's still giving a blessing to them. And then Jesus disappears out of their sight as a cloud engulfs him. Now, what was the apostles' response to this? Worship. Continual rejoicing of going back into the city. Now, Colin Smith points out that this is kind of a strange response, isn't it? Kind of strange that the one that they had been with for the last three years had risen from the grave, now leaving them, they're going back rejoicing. They're excited about this event that has just taken place. It'd be like if you or I had someone that was really close to us and they were going away for a long time. I think of our friends, Tyler and Kat Betts, who are going away to be missionaries in France, being sent out from this church. If we saw them off, we would be rejoicing, excited about the gospel going to Europe, but that we wouldn't come back here and have a big party that they were gone, right? This is an interesting response that they have, but even stranger is the reversal of their response. Initially, when Jesus tells them that he's leaving back in the back earlier before this, they're overcome with great sorrow. This is what John was recorded for us in John, verse 16. But now I am going to him who sent me. I'm going away to the Father, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. They're very sorrowful initially that he is leaving. And they're even doubting. Here in Luke, Jesus appears and asks them, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Jesus is standing right in front of them and they're still doubting who he is and what he's done. Why this dramatic change? Certainly here, the resurrection, of course, Christ opening their eyes to understand the scriptures, and also certainly the benefits of the ascension that would come to them and us because Christ was leaving. Benefits that if Christ stayed, he, they would not receive. So let me ask you this morning, Sailorville Church, is your heart troubled? Are you going through a trying time? Do you have doubts? Doubts about Christianity, doubts about the faith? The Bible never encourages doubt, but it does say that it is there. 
We see it in Abraham. We see it in Moses. We see it in John the Baptist and Christians throughout the generations. I've seen it in my own life. Even in the book of Matthew, verse 28, at the Great Commission, Jesus is going up into heaven, we believe, and he says that they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, if that is the ascension, J.D. Greer says, Jesus is literally floating in front of them, and they're saying, I just have so many doubts in my mind. It shows that even though we, we don't need more proofs about who God is, we think if I could just see him, no, what we need to trust is how he's revealed to us in the scriptures and the truth of his word. So I want to give us this morning five comforts because Christ has left. Five comfort, comforts that will move you from sorrow, from doubt, and into worship. Five comforts because Christ has left. Now that sounds strange, but there are certain realities that are true because Christ is not here physically, that we have comforts that we wouldn't have if he was here. Certain things in our lives could not happen if Jesus was still here bodily. The first comfort for you this morning is this. We have complete redemption. We have complete redemption. Redemption meaning to be bought back. The price from, for us to be bought back from the slave market of sin has been completely paid through Christ's death and his resurrection. I'm gonna read you three different passages from the book of Hebrews. The first one in chapter nine, it says this. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood. Woohoo! Thus securing an eternal redemption. Have you ever done any modeling before? Like, were you? put stuff together, like planes, trucks, cars, those type of things, and you painted them, put stickers on them. That's a, a, a small version of the big car, the big plane that exists. The temple on earth was a model of the temple, the holy of holies that existed in heaven. And so what we had on earth was a, a model of what it looked like in heaven. And Jesus didn't go at his, at his resurrection into the temple, the fake one on earth, but into the one that exists up in heaven. And not with the blood of goats, not with the blood of lambs, but with his very own blood doing what? Securing an eternal redemption for all who would believe. Chapter four of Hebrews says, since we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, that's his ascension, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, that creed, the confession of what we believe that holds us together because Christ has passed through the heavens, is now with God, has paid everything. Let's hold on to that thing and let's believe it with all of our hearts. And then lastly, in the first, the first chapter of the book, verse three says, after making purifications for sins, he, Jesus, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. When you're working outside or you're chasing kids around the house or you have a hard day at work and you come home and you sit down, what are you saying? My day is done. Sitting down says my work is done is complete. Although it might be just for a moment, in this moment, I'm sitting down not doing any work. When Jesus sat down, he was saying everything has been paid for. There's nothing left to accomplish. 
If you've been around our church for any amount of time, you've heard pastors say this, that there were no seats, no furniture in the temple on earth. That was on purpose to show that the priest work was never done. He was continually always making sacrifices. He never got to sit down, but Jesus Christ, after making a sacrifice for sins, sat down at the right hand of God. There's no more penance, there's nothing else. What we can do, everything has been accomplished through Christ Jesus. And as he is sitting with our complete redemption intact, he also continues working. So everything's been paid for for salvation, but Jesus is also working for believers on our behalf. First John 1 verse 2 says, if any of you does sin, which is you, which is me, if any of you does sin, an advocate we have with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So here's what's happening. As Jesus is seated on the throne, when I sin, the devil comes up and says, hey, Brad Posley, he's a mess. Did you see him sin again? He's done that a hundred times before. God, he is so unrighteous. He accuses me before the father. And the father looks over at the son who's seated. And the son says to the father, oh, he's unrighteous, all right. But he is simultaneously righteous because of my righteousness that's been given to him through my shed blood on the cross and my resurrection. And the father looks at the son and goes, that's right. Nothing against him anymore. And he gets the glory. The son gets the glory. The spirit is glorified. And they're all saying, yes, look at what we've done. And we continue to do on behalf of the saints of all who have believed. He's seated saying his work is completed. But his other work for sinners on our behalf continues. And just as Jesus is seated, we also have a seat. That's our second comfort this morning. We also have a seat Dan DeWitt tells us we have a seat because of Ephesians chapter two, verses five and six. It says this, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and have been raised up with him, that is Jesus, seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when you, before you knew Christ, you were in Adam. Everything that was true of Adam was true of you, sinful, unrighteous, rejected. But when you come to know Jesus, you're taken out of Adam and placed into Christ. You're unified with him. So whatever is true of Jesus is also true of you. You're righteous, you're accepted, you're sinless before the Father. And so also, because we're unified with him, whatever happens to Jesus happens to us spiritually. So although you're seated here right now at Sailorville Church, you are also, if you're in Christ, spiritually seated with him in the heavenly realms, you have a seat this morning. That should bring you comfort and security. I was at an Iowa Hawkeyes basketball game a few years back. And I was there with our next church planner up to Ankeny, Adam, and his associate, Nathan, and they were playing Purdue. It was a big game, and it was an exciting game. I mean, it's probably as exciting as Iowa basketball gets, all right? And then we're up there, and we're going down. We had seats up on top. We're going down to the floor and watching Iowa and Purdue warm up. And as we're watching, we, uh, we see these seats that are right behind us, and they're the really nice seats, right? They're the nice, the got the leather, they're nice and cushy. And we thought, hey, let's just sit down here for a minute. And the usher's kind of like, well, you know, did one of those things to us. So we sat down. And then the game started and nobody showed up. 
and we were sitting in seats that didn't belong to us. And the game started going, and I'm, I'm sitting there watching, cheering and things like that, but then all of a sudden in my mind, I'm thinking, this isn't my seat. At some point, someone could come and bump me out of this seat because it belongs to them. And so every couple of minutes, I'm like looking over, like, is anybody coming? Nope, doesn't look like, okay, we're sitting here, right? And then at halftime, this really sharply dressed guy, season ticket holder, obviously, that looked like these seats belonged to him, came over and he says, excuse me, guys. Like, oh, great, we got to move. He's like, I need to get through to my seat, please. Right? I'm like, woo! We're all right. We're good. We ended up staying the whole game and sitting in those seats that didn't belong to us. Now, I enjoyed the game and have fun, but I couldn't enjoy it in security because I thought I was going to get bumped. But I was up a, a few months ago at a, another college up in Ames, and we had great seats. <laughs> and those seats belonged to me, and it was packed out. And I was sitting really close to the front. And I was sitting there in total confidence watching this game because the seat that I was sitting in belonged to me, and I had the ticket to prove it. And I was just hoping someone would like come up and say, accuse me of being in their seat so I could be like, get out of here. Away with you. Look, I have a ticket to prove that this seat belongs to me. Now the resurrection, the ascension of Christ because you're unified to him is proof that you have a seat. You have eternal life right now. It's not something you'll possess in the future. It's something that you have because of Christ and his ascension. Because you're seated, he's seated. The Heidelberg Catechism, one of the questions that they ask is, what is the benefit of Christ's ascension? And the answer is, my flesh is in heaven with Jesus. Here's the saying, here, here's what you can take with you. This is not our best life right here if you're in Christ. And we're not going to heaven someday to be these spirits that are disembodied and floating around scaring people. No, it's a heaven that has real bodies with flesh and bone bodies because of Christ's resurrection and his ascension. We have that together. Look at what Jesus is showing this to the, to the disciples. He shows up with them. Look at verse 24. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, verse 41 of chapter 24. It says, and while they disbelieved for joy, they were marveling at what he said. And he said, have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and he ate it before them. What is Jesus doing here? One commentator says, Jesus is asking them to prove that he has flesh and blood bones after they touched him. He says, do you have any leftovers here that I can have? It'd be like him coming into our house now and showing up to us and saying, hey, what leftovers do you have in the fridge? Let me prove to you that I have a physical body. You go open the fridge, it's like, I got some Casey's pizza left over in here, right? It's like, that'll work, right? And he, you bring him a piece of taco and he's like, no, no, that's not any good when it's cold. Just bring me another one, right? He brings you another one and then he eats it. And it doesn't fall to the floor, but it goes down his throat and into his stomach just like everyone else. And he's saying, look, guys, I have flesh and bones. I have really rose from the grave and defeated death. You can trust me. Just let that sink in for a moment that you have a seat with God. When you're pursuing identities, accomplishments, affection from others, success, compliments, and anything else in between that we're looking for in this life, let this fill your soul and comfort you that you have a seat with Christ and you are already seated with him in the heavenly realms because his humanity was taken up into the presence of God 
and so can ours. Thirdly, we have, a, we have a seat, and then thirdly, we have a comforter. We have a comforter. Look at verse 49. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Who is Jesus speaking of here? The one that's gonna come, the promised one on high. It's the same person that Jesus spoke of originally when he told the disciples that he was going to leave. He says, it's good for me to leave. Look at this in, verse, in, a, in the book of John. He says, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. What's he saying? He's talking about the Holy Spirit here, the helper, the comforter, the one who seals, convicts, intercedes for us, the one who empowers us, the one that guides us into all truth from taking from what is mine, he says, and making it known to you. He says, it's good for me to go away because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. Now, they're thinking in their minds, like what could be better than having you with us physically? One author says this, and I think it's really important for us to take in. He says, the Holy Spirit inside you is better than having Jesus beside you. The Holy Spirit inside you is better than having Jesus beside you because Jesus, his body was limited. There were times in the gospels when he wasn't with the apostles. And in this way, Jesus says, I will be with you always because I will indwell every believer on earth and I will be working through you and I will come and I will comfort you. I will send another, a helper, who will help you that will never leave. Fourthly, we have a message. We have a message. Up until this point, Jesus has been doing all the teaching. He's been doing all the evangelizing, all the sharing. But he appears to them over a course of 40 different days. He doesn't stay with them for 40 days. He appears to them at different times. And each time he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. What is Jesus doing? Smith points out to us that he is weaning the apostles off of him and entrusting them the message that they would then take out. The message that's been entrusted to them and also to us. Well, what is that message? Look again at Luke verse 46 through 48. Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in, the name, in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You will be my witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but it stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So what is this message that he is giving to the apostles? That is the gospel message. It's the same message that Paul received. It's the same message that Peter teaches, that Jesus Christ suffered, died on the cross, rose again, and forgiveness of sins is offered to all who repent and believe. That is to turn from my sin and to turn away from it and turn to Christ, trusting in him alone for salvation. This is the message, and Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses to these things. If you turn to the book of Acts, where we're going to end up this morning, it's volume two, it's Acts chapter one, volume two of Luke's gospel. As he continues further, he's talking about these things, and then he 
Luke actually ends his gospel with the ascension, and then he writes to the very same person, Theophilus, in Acts chapter 1, and he starts his next book, the Acts of the Apostles, with the ascension of Christ. So he starts and he ends with it. He's showing the significance and importance of it. And this is what he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. So he says again, you're going to receive power. It's going to come into you and the gospel is going to go out from you. Now you're thinking, hey, I thought this was supposed to be a comfort. You're putting a lot of pressure on me. What a comfort that you had to share the greatest news in the world. We have it. We've got it with us. We've been entrusted with it to share in the power of the Holy Spirit, not on our own, and together. We have a couple in our cell group that is going away from us, and we're sending them out tonight to New City Church. And they've been sharing a prayer request in our group about how they were a little nervous about going out calling, nervous about going out and knocking on doors. And they shared that as a prayer request with us, and we prayed for them. And what a joy it was to hear them come back And to talk about how they went out as a whole family, not alone, not individually, but as a whole group together, going out, knocking on doors. Because it wasn't just them knocking on the door. It was the Holy Spirit living inside of them knocking on the door, sharing the things uh, about who Christ is and inviting people to church. You know, this is entrusted to us, and I want you to know that I'm with you on this. I'm not a natural evangelist. I get nervous when I share my faith. But let Christ, in his power of the Holy Spirit, binding us together, share this message that's been entrusted to us. Because we're not going to share it forever. Because as Acts 1, 9 through 11, we'll see why. It says, and when he has said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, A cloud took them away out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, behold, two men stood by them. Now that would have been disturbing, wouldn't it? In white robes, and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So number five, the fifth comfort this morning is Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. They are watching as Jesus goes up into the heavens, and then all of a sudden they get a tap on the shoulder. It's like, oh man, right? And there's this dazzling white dressed guy next to me. He says, what are you looking up for? Jesus is going to come back the same way. This is he descended, as ascended, he's going to descend. And if he didn't ascend, he wouldn't be able to descend and come back again. He says, in the meantime, though, guys, you got some work to do. It's time for you guys to get after it. But guys, understand, church, this is the the era that we are living in. Jesus has ascended. This is where we are at, too, as a church, as we wait and work, as we wait for his return. Now, working and waiting, right? You've seen that before, haven't you? So both of my kids' grandparents live at least 10 hours away. So when they come over to our house, it's a huge deal. Now, 
I know we're the only family that does this, but when we have company over, we have to mad dash to clean our home, right? Like none of, no, no one else out here does that, just us, I know. But we do that, and we put the kids to work and say, go up and clean your rooms, get ready, because grandma and grandpa are coming. And what do they do? They're frantically, because the anticipation of what's coming is motivating their work. And as they work, like every 20 seconds, they're going, huh? is that grandma and grandpa? They hear a knock. It's like, oh, are they here? Nope, not yet. Okay, keep working, keep working, keep working. Oh, oh, grandma and grandpa are here. And the joy that comes as a result of that. This is what Peter is saying. He says, if all these things are to happen, what kind of people ought we to be as a result? The return of Christ should motivate us in our present to work hard in holiness, to work hard in sharing our faith. And as we do, we're working and going, <gasps> right? Is Christ coming back? And then experience the joy of when he does. Because here's what's going on, right? The Trinity is up in heaven, the glorious Trinity, God in three persons. The Father has pointed out all who would be saved. The Son is sitting, he's saying, listen, everything that's been, that needs for salvation has been accomplished. He's seated on his throne, and they're watching as people around the globe, Christians are sharing the message of the gospel and the Holy Spirit's there and he's awakening hearts to receive the truth that they've heard because he's working through us. And then the last person comes to know Christ and the father says, that's it, get down there, let's get these guys and so forever will we be with the Lord. And this motivates our work. This is what keeps us going. This is an encouragement for us after Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. It changed them. They turned from sad, doubting disciples into worshiping, bold, rejoicing ones. Believer this morning, do you need encouragement? Let these be a comfort to you. Complete redemption has been brought your way. You have a seat. God himself is living inside of you. And we have a message to share while we wait for the return of our king. Do you have these comforts this morning? They aren't given to everyone, only those who believe. Redemption has been accomplished for you. You have a seat that's offered to you. You have a com the offer of a comforter, God himself, living in you if you believe this message that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that he rose again. And if you look at that and say, I want that, repent. That means change your mind. Turn from your old ways and trust only in Christ Jesus that he died, rose again on your behalf, and you will be saved living in the hope of the return of Jesus. God in heaven, we thank you. We praise you. We thank you for creeds, confessions that bring us together. If we aren't a people that come together around a belief, we're just a social club having a good time. But we hold these truths together. We believe in one God who is triune. We believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit.
the forgiveness of sins and why he would ever give us an opportunity to have forgiveness when we had gone astray. I don't know, but you have, Father, and we thank you and we praise you and we glorify you that you give us the ability to be forgiven, to be brought into your church and to live for you. What a privilege, God. There's so many benefits because you've left, Lord, but we long and look for your return together and experience so many benefits from that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together.